Amy, we've got a bunch of little nieces and nephews between us, but we've also got a catch-all gift that all of our siblings love for their newborns. You're totally right, and it's Pampers Swaddlers, because Pampers Swaddlers wick wetness away to keep babies drier and subsequently parents happier. Pampers Swaddlers absorb wetness better versus the leading value brand and provide up to 100% leak-proof skin protection and up to 0% skin irritation. Pampers Swaddlers are dermatologist approved by the Skin Health Alliance. They're hypoallergenic and they're free of parabens and latex. Now you can try Swaddlers with new Pampers Free and Gentle Wipes for healthy baby skin. These wipes won't tear. In fact, they grip mess, shall we say, more firmly and clean better, leaving baby skin dry, soft, and smooth. For trusted protection, trust Pampers, the number one pediatrician recommended brand. Download the Pampers Club app today and earn Pampers cash. Redeem your Pampers cash for exclusive Pampers coupon savings and rewards. Only redeemable via Pampers Club. Pampers Cash has no cash value. Your kid gets those diagnoses, sees, what is the word? What fresh hell? Laughing in the face of motherhood. Oh my God, like there's a girl and she's going to see me naked. With Margaret Abels and Amy Wilson. I don't really care. I mean, I don't really care. A podcast that solves today's parenting dilemmas. So you don't have to. That's bonkers. Hello, everyone, and welcome to this episode of What Fresh Hell? Laughing in the Face of Motherhood. This is Margaret. And this is Amy. And this week, we're going to talk about whether we are all totally oversharing on social media. (laughs) Spoiler. Yes, we are. (laughs) Thanks for listening. Yeah. Goodbye, guys. Great talking to you. Another great episode in the books. (laughs) I mean, we definitely are. We're oversharers. I would say that traditionally we have focused more on this as an issue with our kids. Like we have to tell our kids they can't do this. They can't do that. They can't geotag themselves every time they do something. But along the way, we are also making some perhaps questionable calls on this or not even calls. We're just doing stuff without thinking about the ramifications. And so I think this is worth talking about. Definitely worth talking about. I mean, I come out fairly strongly on one side of this, which I will share as we go along, but I don't think it's really going to surprise anyone. I think it's going to be pro oversharing. I just think the paranoia around this is unjustified, fundamentally. Oh, okay. No, I shouldn't have been surprised by that. Let's roll in. But I think we can all relax a little bit with like 800 people are trying to follow our kids' geotags and follow them and grab them off the streets. I'm not sure that's happening. This topic was suggested by our listener, Raj, and he said you should do an episode on how parents use social media in terms of privacy, over-digitalization of childhood, and our culture of oversharing. Raj, extra points for the the 10 cent words. Yeah, Raj definitely got a high score on his verbal SAT. Check out some of those words. I googled over digitalization of childhood. I think Raj invented that phrase because I couldn't find any other use of it. What we're specifically talking about is one of those things like what is oversharing? It's kind of you know it when you see it, right? Well, yeah, yeah. I mean, you know it when you see it. You know it when you see it. And I think we tend to think it's something that other people do. Of course, like all things, right? It's a problem that other people have, not ourselves. And we both, in researching this episode, found, which I'd never heard before, I don't know if you had, the phrase sharenting. No, I had never heard this before. Yeah, sharenting, yeah. as in like share parenting, that we're oversharenting. <laughs> and I did some research, which indicated, Shocker. research by Dr. Lisa Lazard, 
and some other people, and they studied and found that mothers overshare more than fathers. I mean, I want to just say, great job, Lisa Lazard, but I could have told right. you that without doing it. Right. We all know it's true. And is that sexist to say, well, apparently not, because it is true. And she goes through why. And I thought this was pretty interesting. She found in her study that mothers do take on the responsibility of sharing content about their children more than fathers do. And it is a responsibility. She calls it disclosure management work. Mm. And that this is something, it's part of the invisible workload that we take on. Fathers in general are more restrictive about sharing to broad professional audiences. My husband, I don't know about your husband, like not such big Facebook people anyway, don't see connection in that way in the same way. But just as we're supposed to bear the burdens of the actual, like back in the day, our mothers were the ones who are taking the photos, putting them in albums. We're talking about in this digital current context, but this is and has ever been that like, right, my mom had the like leather bound spiral notebooks with like, there was a piece of plastic that you peeled back and then it was sticky inside and you would layer the photos. I mean, old we had alert. back in my day. That dismays me that that's an old deluxe alert, but I think it probably is. You know how like when you go to look at the Gutenberg Bible, you have to like put gloves on <laughs> and like eight people stare at you while you turn the pages. That's how my mother was. If you had to take a picture out, like, oh, I need to bring a picture to school of me in a costume. And she would like stand over you as you peeled back the saran wrap page and like removed the picture. And then it was like FBI. What do they call that chain of custody? Like there was a blank part of the scrapbook until you brought that back and put it back in. They were also called magnetic pages, which always drove me nuts. What's magnetic about this? It was just kind of gluey. Sticky. Yeah. Okay. And the best one more oldie locks because now we're down the rabbit hole. Back in my day. But I do sort of miss this. Like we were driving somewhere and there was a parking lot and it had one of those old kiosks in the middle of it that you would drive up to and get your photos from the guy in the little kiosk in the supermarket parking lot. You know what I'm talking about? And my kids were like, what is that? And I was like, well, you used to get photos from there. You know, of course it was abandoned. But I was thinking like, as we constantly complain about the dongle that you have to take the CVS if you ever want, like, I feel like we used to have access to our photos and now I just have hard drives filled with nonsense. Right. And I think here's one issue. I think that I use sharing on social media. I think many of us do. Like Instagram is my photo album. If I really like something, I put it on Instagram, my favorite photos. If it's a really good photo, I put it on Facebook, a graduation photo or something. And we are using them as a way to keep our favorite pictures out of our 25,000 that we have. But doing that, we're not thinking about, they're just they're the photos we like the most, they're the photos we're seeking the most accolades for. We're not considering the other ramifications of doing that. So our our moms were doing this when it was actual photo albums. And now we're still in charge of the family photos and managing them. And Dr. Lazard makes another point that this is a form of the emotional work that women do for our families. Like we're the ones who remember to call Uncle Bob. It's his birthday. Uh, you know, show call grandma and show her on FaceTime picture that you made that the social media sharing that we do is part of our work of staying connected to friends and more importantly, family. Like the other night, my daughter had a birthday party and I was taking pictures to show her grandmothers. And I was thinking about that as I was taking them. I was like, I'm sending this one to this person and this one to that person. And I didn't post them on social media. But the whole reason I was taking pictures was to make sure that I included the grandmothers in the moment because they weren't there. Right. And so I did 
is. It's a form of work. It's a form of work. And it's also a strong form of personal validation. You put a lot of work into that. So like, yes, you want to include grandma, but you also want your work to be seen. I think that's a huge part of it. Yeah. You want people to say like, look at what Amy did. Like she threw this photo. I mean, not you, Amy. I'm not Jacques. Like we want to say like, here are the Halloween costumes I put together. Look at what I did. Like I'm kind of isolated here. I want everyone to share in like what I did. That's right. Friend of mine who moved away, who I pretty much only keep in touch with on social media now. And I'm glad for it. Her son was in a high school play over the weekend, was in the Adams family. And you know, like high school plays today look like Broadway, basically. Like I don't, oh my God. They bear no yes. relation. We could do a whole episode on high school right. plays and my thoughts about that. So them. her son is um, Uncle Fester in the Adams family with like Broadway level production values. And I'm so glad to see them. I'm not saying she's oversharing, but she's not. I'm not saying that. But she's sharing them because she's proud of him. I feel connected to her by knowing that he's doing that. And she feels connected to me when she shares them and I respond. But we are all kind of in this feedback loop all the time. Like there's an imagined audience, right? When we're posting something, when I take a picture of my son scoring a soccer goal and it's a great picture and Yankee Stadium's in the background and I post that on social media, I'm thinking two steps out. I'm thinking, I'm going to get so many likes from this. I'm going to get so many, oh my gosh, that's so cool. I'm going to get, and I'm thinking about those when I post, already thinking about what I'm going to get back from this imagined audience. I'm going to speak in defense of social media though. Yeah. I do have a lot of far-flung friends. I moved to LA after graduating. A lot of my friends are there with their kids. I have a godson out in LA and I love keeping up with them on social media. I see them once every two years and I feel like I know them. There are kids in my life who I'm not sure if I've ever met person, but I feel like I know them. I'm like, oh, that's right. You were a bunny for Halloween. So cute. Then you did your school play. Like I like social media. I like keeping up with my friends' kids on social media. I'm all for it. I totally agree. I enjoy it, looking at it. And we do sometimes, we get things out of it, right? We get ties to community. We get social capital, researchers call it, that we connect and there's a good thing about it. Absolutely. There's lots of positives. We're going to talk about the negatives, but I don't want to skip the part where we're like, it's actually great. Like being a mom is isolating. You do a ton of work that nobody sees. And it's a way of interacting with the world that overcomes what I think was a very hard obstacle for my mom, which was you're kind of just isolated, you know? And yes, there were opportunities to like, okay, we're going down and showing, you know, you're trick-or-treating and people are seeing the costumes I made. But my mom put hours of work into her Halloween costumes. Like I would have loved for her to be able to say like, hey world, like look at this amazing handmade Statue of Liberty costume I made for my kid, which is just bonkersly great. I think there's something very positive about that. I totally agree. And I think, and that's why I like that there's, yes, mothers do it more, but there are reasons for it besides, oh, you silly women with nothing better to do. No, we're doing the heavy lifting of staying connected, of keeping our families connected to our larger worlds. And that means using social media for a lot of us. I also think social media connects us to resources that we did not used to have. For example, parenting forums about certain things, the ability to go out. You know, we have our Facebook page, facebook.com slash Hellcast. Like people come there and they talk and they offer each other solutions on things that they would not have thought about themselves. How am I dealing with this picky eater? And they give each other the perspective of like, listen, it's going to be okay. Like there is a village that forms on social media that can be really positive. People with specific problems, kids with ADHD, 
kids on the spectrum, kids with uh, very specific issues or challenges. There's resources where you can be talking to someone in Ohio who has a kid with an IEP that's run into a problem that's similar to your kids, and you guys can help each other navigate that. It's very positive. There was just an article in the New York Times over the weekend. I didn't even pull it when I was getting ready for this episode, but I'll put it up on our show page on whatfreshhealthpodcast.com because it was talking about the usefulness of groups, of social media groups for like, my kid has a translocation of the 11th and 18th chromosomes and there are 60 people in the world who have that and we have found each other in social media, that that's a wonderful thing. But of course, there's also a dark side and the dark side is you think it's private, but it's not. And there was a group, let's hope we're not in this position. We were a group of women who through DNA testing found out that their kid was not fathered by the person that they were married to. And they know this, but the other parent doesn't. And there's a Facebook group for this and people's identities were just compromised. (laughs) So that's something you need to share, but maybe doing it on Facebook is oversharing. I mean, it's fine line to walk. Right. And you can figure out how to do like closed groups or like, what do I want to discuss in a well, private was, group? Well, this was the whole describe- point of it was closed isn't closed and private isn't private. Closed isn't closed. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. And when you're sharing about your kid with ADHD, well, you know, this is getting into the downside of it, but you're sharing about your kid with ADHD and sharing resources. That's very useful for you as a parent. And it's very useful for your kid on a Tuesday in 2018. But There's a trail that's going to be left when that kid is applying for jobs in 2030. We haven't really, we don't know. We don't know what this is all going to mean. We don't. We don't. But I have some thoughts on that. And I'm going to share them after this break. Margaret, I've got a go-to baby shower gift that I give whenever there's another newborn in my life. Can you guess what it is? Amy, three guesses. First two don't count. It's Pampers Swaddlers. Exactly. Pampers Swaddlers keep baby skin dry, happy, and healthy. Pampers Swaddlers absorb wetness better than the leading value brand and provide up to 100% leak-proof skin protection and up to 0% skin irritation. Pampers Swaddlers are dermatologist-approved by the Skin Health Alliance, hypoallergenic, and free of parabens and latex. Try Swaddlers with new Pampers Free and Gentle Wipes for healthy baby skin. These wipes are five times stronger, gripping mess more firmly, shall we? say, and making diaper changes a breeze. For trusted protection, trust Pampers, the number one pediatrician recommended brand. Download the Pampers Club app today and earn Pampers cash. Then redeem your Pampers cash for exclusive Pampers coupon savings and rewards. Only redeemable via Pampers Club. Pampers cash has no cash value. Amy, you know me well enough to know that my daily power breakfast is... Toast with peanut butter on top. Toast with peanut butter. It's also, by the way, one of my favorite power breakfasts. So we agree on that thing. We were recently together and we shared some toast with peanut butter. And I'm going to tell you, we used Hero Bread. It adds even more protein and fiber to that combo without adding any more sugar. Hero Bread has remade the carby, empty calorie bread products into versions that include no net carbs, zero gram sugar, and fewer calories, plus more protein and fiber while still being super fluffy and delicious. I was not sure that that particular combination was going to be possible, but Hero Bread has figured it out. Yeah, this is one I'm glad they let us try. It's like, it really tastes good. I've been trying to add more protein to my diet, and I would have thought that a hamburger rolls was not the place to do that, Amy. <laughs> but all of Hero Bread's products, from rolls to tortillas to 
croissants, we please, offer protein and fiber, zero to one grams of net carbs and zero grams of sugar. Start your Hero Bread bundle on their website and get 10% off your order. Go to hero.co and use the code motherhood at checkout. I like this bread, people. It's H-E-R-O dot C-O and code motherhood for 10% off your order of Hero Bread. Margaret, can I throw a study at you? I mean, you can. You can. I'm screen ready, but I'm going to hold on to my screen. There was a study in the University of Michigan. Lots of interesting stuff in this study, and I'll put the link up on the show page. Dr. Tofik Amari and some other people studied what they called how parents decide what to disclose about their children online. And they said, they pointed out, which I thought was very crucial, that the benefits that we as parents accrue from social media, which we were talking about, and they're clear, they correspond with self-disclosure in the form of you know revealing information about ourselves. And when we share photos of our kids and information about our kids, that self-disclosure is inextricably tied to sharing about the child as well, which means that our children, unlike us, are growing up with their entire digital lives online. Okay. That the photos convey significant amounts of information, location, who you're with, the t-shirt you're wearing in the photo, and now there's facial recognition, and that parents, because social media is so sticky and so good at getting us to want to consume more and share more and be part of things, we aren't considering. We don't know what the ramifications are of this yet, and we, as parents start to consider that, then we get concerned about it but aren't sure what to do always. Okay, but... It's screen time, Amy. Go ahead. What are the ramifications? Well, I see. So I have my one of my kids. Well, now that I think about it, each of my kids has a classmate who under their real names is sharing information online on a regular basis that I see that will definitely problematize their college admissions. Okay, so that's from kids' side, right? Like, there are tons of social media rules that we want to talk about for our kids and what they should and shouldn't be sharing. Right. Well, that's That's, you're right. That's the other side of the equation. So let's talk about only what are ramifications for moms oversharing. Okay, so let's say you talk about you express a concern that your kid might have ADHD. To go back to that example from before, sharing about your kid's learning disabilities online gets you community, gets you tips, makes you better at parenting it. I don't disagree with that, but it's out there. If you use your kid's real name and your kid has the same last name as you do, it's out there. This becomes part of their permanent digital profile in ways that I think we don't fully understand yet. So I would say I'll give that one a maybe. So perhaps if you are sharing about medical diagnoses with your children, yes, I have kids who have diagnoses and I do not share about that on social media. In that I share about it on the podcast, I am non-child specific with it. And I do think that attaching medical labels to your children in public is a problem, but I think it is not as big of a problem as the idea of it is. Your kid gets those diagnoses. What is the word? Should I just diagnose diagnoses? Diagnoses at school. It's part of their school record. It's something that their friends know. It's something that is known about them. And it is part of having a diagnosis. And so, yes, 
in general, I would not splay all around social media that my kid has a diagnosis. But if you need to reach out for help to other people, I just, I don't see, it's like, oh man, I got into Harvard, but then they found out that eight years ago, my mom posted that I had ADHD and now I'm out. Oh, it but I, I disagree. I think you might not get into Harvard if Harvard sees that you were a problem child. That's bonkers. I think college admissions, I mean, I know college admissions carefully comb social media. I, I met a guy at the Mom 2.0 conference a couple years ago who was starting a business to help scrub your kids' social media and hopefully yours in time for college applications. And as he pointed out, as any social media expert will tell you, it is a lot easier to not post it in the first place than to try to delete all trace of it later. Mm, I don't know if I'm feeling it. I mean, a kid's, it depends on an individual situation, but my kids who struggle with stuff, I would encourage them. I mean, that is part of who they are. That is part of their personal story. And that is part of information that is going to be part of any application they make to college, you know? Well, then there's some more gray area. There's huge stigma around, like say, we're talking about big things, but let's say like epilepsy. There's a stigma around epilepsy that will follow your kid, even if it really shouldn't. And then we can just like, let's take it like out of the medical realm and just into something much more basic. Does your 16 year old really need the, you know, funny poop story, you know, uh, out in the world? And I don't know if it's bad or if it's not, but we are asking them, I'm going to quote Lisa Heffernan here from Grown and Flown, and they've got good perspective because their kids are grown and flown. The way she puts it is we decided that we can live with any future consequences of the oversharing. Like we're right now saying like, yeah, this is fine. I can deal with this. But we're not asking our children or we are asking our children to live with the consequences of our oversharing without knowing what they are. And that's I'm not saying we should all stop sharing anything, but I do think I think that point, point is kind of fair. And I have a personal anecdote. I make a calendar every year for the family for Christmas with all the pictures of the kids. And my kids were like, I don't know, maybe four and three. And for some reason that I don't remember right now, they were walking around the house naked <laughs> and they were sitting in the window and they were just laughing in this really funny way that they were both naked. They were posed in a way that you could not see any of their private areas. And yet it was clear they were sitting around the house naked. And so I included right. this picture in the calendar and it was funny. It was definitely like not inappropriate. It was cute. They were young enough and everything objectionable was covered. And I put it in the calendar and the calendar was on the wall. And they were maybe my guy was in first grade when I took the picture and he was sitting with his legs crossed. You could not see any private areas, but it was clear he was naked in the picture. And then we had some friends over and one that now he was in second grade because it was the calendar from a year back. It was hanging on the wall and there was a girl from his second grade class over. And he walked in the kitchen and he's like, mom, you've got to cover that up. Oh my God, like there's a girl and she's going to see me naked. And so we made little paper clothes for them and put them on the picture. But I realized like, oh, my perspective on him being naked on the calendar and my family's perspective was like, isn't it funny that kids walk around naked? It's so random. His perspective was a girl in my class is about to see me naked and that would be the worst thing to ever happen to me. So like, right. yes, you right. have to... And I would never in a million years have put that photo on social media. It was just like in the calendar for my family. But yes, it is important that you think like your kids are going to see your posts. Also in this category is like the my kid is so annoying posts. And we talk about this on the podcast. Oh, and yeah. like, I feel like we're trying to be fairly careful about what we share. But my rule when talking about my kids on the podcast is would I be comfortable with them listening to this description of themselves. And if it's- And they do. And they do. <laughs> 
my kids hear a lot of and this. so <laughs> i there are stories about my kids that i don't tell on the podcast there are takes on my kids sometimes my kids drive me crazy and sometimes i want to express that in a way of like oh my kid is so annoying i would never say that it's like my this is a hard situation for me is one thing but i do not put anything on my kids on social media or on the podcast because you have to my rule in life is no one else sees your take on them as positive you have to remember that like my kid is such a jerk sometimes is something that every parent says but if you say it directly about one of your kids by name they are not going to find that funny they are going to find that hurtful and scary and so, yes, yeah. I think the way you talk about your kids online is very important. I think the things you share about your kids online. I had an old funny picture of two kids in the bathtub that I was sending just by email to my sister-in-law, I think. And that picture got flagged. It didn't get delivered because it got flagged because it had naked children in it. And again, there was bubbles. It was not really. But even then I was like, hmm, I guess I shouldn't be sending that picture by email. You know, you know, I saw an anecdote in one of these studies about a um, talking about the parameters people have around what they share. A woman sent a, you know, cute naked photo of their kid just to her husband at work. She just texted it to him and he came back at her like exclamation points like, do not ever send a naked picture of a child, even a child that is mine, to my work phone. You can't do that. And, I thought, and I've done it. I've definitely sent cute naked pictures of our babies to my husband to his work phone. And yeah, that's, I guess that's a pretty bad idea. And I'm going to reconsider that rule. I think it would be a fair overall rule to be like naked pictures of your children are just for you. Send them to Pex and, and put them, Rent them out in your, in your wallet. Rent them out. <laughs> but don't. Yeah, those probably do not belong in cyberspace at all because you lose control over them. What is your policy around tagging people and being tagged? I tend to stay away from it religiously. And I wonder if you use it, don't use it. Tweet, tweet. I don't care at all. Oh, my gosh. See, I told totally tagging. What it. does it even our, mean? Our school, like, for example, our school has a social media profiles, as they all do these days. And they were like, you know, put your back to school photos up on social media, which everybody has to have that back to school photo where you're holding the chalkboard right. Pinteresty thing, right? That's like the new thing you have to do. And they were like, tag our school in the photo. Do you know, hashtag the school or tag the school. And I'm like, I, there's no way I would do that because now I'm saying, here's where my kids go to school. And that's not information I want available to everybody on the internet. I don't care that much about it. I don't believe that like... It happens often that random people on social media are like, I'm going to go find that kid at their school. I do not believe that is something that happens. And so but what if it's not somebody random? I mean, it doesn't have to be somebody. I'm not saying it's somebody random. I don't need strangers and people that I people that I not everybody needs to know where my kids go to school. I think it's totally fine not to do it, but I don't think that's a thing. And do you tag other moms or other kids in photos when they're in photos? I don't photos? put pictures of other people's kids on social media without the parent's permission. I am trying to think. I've never thought of that as a hard and fast rule, but I don't think that I do I it. just think it's a good practice, I'd have you to know. Look back and see. I just don't. It is a good practice. Film or take pictures of other people's kids. If I get a cute picture, last year was fourth grade graduation. I had a ton of pictures of like my kid with his arm around his friend. I would say to the mom like, oh, can I put this picture up or, you know, Right. Yes. Fine. Oh, I'll tag you. Great. Fine. As long as we both understand that. But those pictures have digital information on them. If somebody looked at that picture and was like, I'm going to track that kid down, they could figure out where that school is. But, but don't they're not the doing it. Don't post a picture of your kid with the name of the school on their sweatshirt. I just think that's foolish. I do. 
But what's going to happen? Someone's going like to look at it and nothing track bad them down and kidnap them? It I, would I just, give them information. Yeah, I, it would. I, and I don't, I don't see it. I don't see it. Well, I mean, it has happened. It doesn't mean it happens every day, but it's easier. I guess my point is it's easier not to put that information out there in the first place. There's nothing useful about sharing that information. So don't share it. Yeah. I mean, I guess if it makes you worry, don't do it. But I, I think the over paranoia around this is a bit of a problem. It's not paranoia. It's just be aware when you're sharing that information with a couple people, you're sharing it with everybody and just consider that there are possible ramifications to that. Just stop and think about doing it. It's not the same as putting it on a calendar in your kitchen. It's there and it's there forever. And I'm not saying this as somebody who fully thinks through the ramifications of everything I post online. I definitely have not been that person, but that is one thing that I'm pretty tight about. Yeah. Although just on the quick flip side, if your kid is walking around with a their shirt that says where they go to school on it, that's a similar experience. You know what I mean? They're seeing people who know where they go to school now, who are strangers to them. Good point. Good point. It just feels like the paranoia around it. I want to fight back against. But fine. Don't do it if it makes you uncomfortable. But I just don't think there is a giant cabal of people searching the metadata of pictures to try to do harm to your children. Don't believe it. No, I don't think there is either, but I still don't tag the school. All right. We're talking more about social media and your kids when we come back. Margaret, I've been at the research again, looking into metabolic health and more importantly, metabolic flexibility, which turns out is the key to improved energy levels, better sleep, better fitness, all the things. And I found out about all this because we got a chance to try Lumen, the first handheld device that helps you manage your metabolic health. Lumen works when you breathe into it. If you do that first thing in the morning or after a workout, Lumen measures your metabolism by measuring the amount of carbon dioxide in your breath. It's science, people. That lets you see exactly what's going on in your body in real time. Then you use Lumen's app to get tailored guidance to improve your sleep, your nutrition, even stress management. If you're interested in figuring out the effects of different sorts of foods on your body, Lumen is a really cool way to see what's actually happening as your body burns different fuel sources. If you want to take the next step in improving your health, go to lumen.me and use Fresh to get $100 off your Lumen. That is L-U-M-E-N dot M-E, lumen.me, and use the code FRESH at checkout for $100 off. Thank you, Lumen, for sponsoring this episode. Hey there, I'm Debbie Reber, the founder of Tilt Parenting and the author of the book, Differently Wired. The mission of Tilt is to change the way neurodivergence whether that's having a learning disability, having ADHD, being gifted, autistic, or some combination of all of the above, is perceived and experienced so differently wired kids and the parents like us raising them can truly thrive. On the Tilt Parenting Podcast, I get to talk with authors, therapists, educators, and parenting experts who are committed to this mission. I ask the questions my listeners are most curious about when it comes to supporting our kids. And in turn, my guests share strategies for challenges, out-of-the-box ideas for navigating school, best practices for therapies, tips for advocating, and so many thoughtful insights on what it really takes to help our kids grow up feeling seen and respected so they can create awesome lives for themselves. I know that raising a differently wired kid can feel overwhelming and isolating, but I promise you, you are not alone and it can feel so much better. If you're on this parenting journey, come listen to Tilt Parenting. Together, we can shift this paradigm and show up for our exceptional kids with hope, possibility, and joy. And now, 
the types of moms you will definitely meet on social media. The, I think your kid might have gotten a hold of your phone poster. The one-upper mom. My kid got a 98 on the spelling test. Mine got a 100. Isn't it great when our kids do well? <sighs> the multi-level marketing mom. Look at my skin. This skin could be your skin. You, too, could sell the stuff that makes your skin look like my skin. Ask me how. The airing her dirty laundry for everyone to see, Mom. My mother-in-law, Claire Miller, is the spawn of all unholy evil, and I don't care who knows it. The inspirational meme, Mom. You only have 18 summers till they're grown. So cherish each instant before they've flown. Hashtag so true. The CrossFit mom. 80 reps of 15 pounds each read into 75 squats at 0400 this a.m. Get after it. Hashtag feel the burn. The vague book mom. One of those days where you just doubt all your life choices. You know what I mean? The humble bragger. It's so hard to raise a gifted child. I can hardly keep up with the conversations at my dinner table with this little intellectual. The hashtagger. Soccer Saturday. Hashtag goal. Hashtag adorbs. Hashtag go Panthers. Hashtag no I in team. Hashtag soccer. Hashtag love it. Hashtag all for one and one for all. Hashtag kick it. Hashtag offsides. Hashtag teamwork makes the dream work. This has been the types of moms you will meet on social media from the What Fresh Hell podcast. Okay, I want to know, do you have rules, Margaret, for extended family, like grandparents and your sister and people like that posting info on your kids? No. There are people, and I don't, after doing all this research, I don't judge it, who like before the baby's born, like, here's what we're going to do. You're not going to post pictures of the baby. We'll share them on this private Shutterfly account or whatever. Or if you want to share a picture of my kid, you have to ask me or don't tag the kid or definitely do tag the kid so I can see what you're posting. People have rules around this. I do know that people have rules about this. I do not have rules about this, but I respect other people's rules about this. Maybe people need to have, some people need to have rules about it and some people don't, I suppose. Yeah. And again, I like with my sister-in-law, we have adorable kids who are all the same age. We're always together in Texas. I get these beautiful pictures where like the light is shining on the seven of them while they're playing in Texas together. And I'm like, these pictures are adorable. And I always say, I show it to her and I'm like, look at how cute this picture is. And I say, is it okay if I post this on Facebook? And she says, yes. And I tag her. I know people who have issues with exes, custody situations, people who have given them a hard time on Facebook, stalkery kind of situations. So I never post a picture of anyone else's kid without asking them because I don't have any of those issues. And I kind of feel like I don't post a ton about my kids. I don't post private things about my kids. I don't post embarrassing things about my kids and I don't post mean things about my kids. But other than that, I post pictures of my kids. I don't care if you can see where they go to school. It's not that hard to figure out where my kids go to school. I don't care about a lot of those things. But I never post pictures of other people's kids without their permission. I do not necessarily agree with being paranoid about your kids on social media. But also people have 
exes, people who have friends of theirs who've lost children. There are reasons why other people may not want their smiley kids tagged all over their Facebook pages. And I respect that. I kind of, as I think about it, realize that I have sort of different rules around cousins than I do around sort of classmates. And maybe I shouldn't. I mean, if I have a cute picture of my kids with some of their many cousins, they have a lot of cousins, I would probably just put it up without asking. And I think my in-laws and my siblings do also. So I guess that's fine if everybody's yeah. fine with it. But other people's kids, definitely. And the tag thing. Oh, my gosh. Like, I am not a fan of tagging. And we have been <laughs> we have a grandparent in our lives who's a who loves to tag. And so I sometimes will untag even myself. So I don't want everybody to see that picture of me in a regrettable bathing suit. I don't, I don't <laughs> untag. I do think in general, I've always said there's no fear like the fear where you're like at a bachelor at weekend with some extra baby weight and you see yourself tagged. I'm like, oh, this is going to be so bad. And it always is me like doubled over with like a giant stomach roll, like drinking a beer. I'm like, I'm going to untag that. But I don't really care. I mean, I don't really care, but I respect other people's right to care. And so I have people in my family who don't want their kids on social media at all. And I, I don't put anything I mean, I basically have established with my family members, I would say my sister doesn't really care. My Some of my sisters-in-law do care. And so I don't put pictures of their kids on social media. I think it's good to just establish the ground rules and whatever my thoughts about whether or not you want your kids tagged, if you tell me not to tag them, I don't. It's your choice. I find that there are certain people who are less wary of Facebook and social media and facial recognition software and things than I am. And there are people who don't really understand how Facebook works. And so I had, yes. not really, right? And so I had a an experience where a, I'll say a niece or nephew of mine was tagged wearing a bathing suit and then a conversation between two relatives of this kid, one a close relative and one a distant relative, played out on Facebook on the person's wall saying, oh, who's this now? And then the next one was like, oh, this is child's name. And oh, is she the one that lives in blank? Yes, she does. Oh, my kid lives in blank. Okay, this kid lives right near, right across from the, you make a left and it's right past that thing. And they have now taken a child in a bathing suit and put up their name and where their house is. On, yeah. On a Facebook wall, which those two people thought was a private conversation. It is not a private conversation. I was seeing it in my newsfeed. And so that was yeah. sort of a, like, and that's the stuff you should monitor that you should be really clear with everybody in your life about what you do and don't want posted. And then you should just respect other people's rules. There's a privacy scholar named Sandra Petronio. Did you know there was such a thing? Never heard of a privacy she's, scholar. She's a privacy before. scholar. And she talks about when people take the responsibility of guarding other people's private information, they're not really as good about it as they are about guiding their own private information. Imagine that. And so she calls it, she says, there's boundary turbulence that happens when your idea of what should be private and my idea of what should be private are not the same. And I'm sharing your private information. But that's a problem and differing boundaries exist. And that it's a good idea to define your boundaries. And that's the conversation that you have. The conversation is, hey, I saw you tagged my kid in a Facebook photo. 
I love the photo, but we don't put our kids up on social media. Could you delete the photo or untag it? Whichever you feel more comfortable with. And you have an absolute right to do that. And it is your prerogative. And when the person says, why it's so cute, you say, because that's my request. Like that is your prerogative. And there are issues, again, there are issues with people who have exes that are a real problem who are stalking them on social media. There are custody issues around kids and who knows what about kids. Like, I do not believe that there is a cabal of people in a van running facial recognition and mapping photos to find children to kidnap. That is not happening. But there are exes and people who you don't want to know where your kids are or what they're doing all the time. And it is the parents' absolute prerogative what information they want shared for reasons you may not understand. And if someone tells you to untag their kid or not post pictures of them on social media, you do not do it. I guess I would argue that there could be a lot of reasons for doing this. And the person's reason, now that I've started thinking about this, I haven't really put rules over my oversharing. Like we said, it's something that you kind of feel out and you know it when you see it and you most to see it in other people. And I haven't really considered this, but I will probably put more rules, more firm rules around this. And they're your rules and they're your reasons and what your gut tells you and what you're worried about. We don't understand yet. And those can be enough reasons. It doesn't have to be horribly sensitive and dangerous privacy concerns. It's okay to have privacy concerns that are privacy concerns. Yeah. And there's people who just don't get along with their in-laws and they don't want their in-laws on their social media looking at pictures. Whatever their issue is, is not your business. But if you are spending a lot of time concerned that people are getting into metadata of your photo to follow your kids around, I would say you can dial that concern down. I don't think most of the people who are doing this have that concern. I know some people who would actually be concerned about their kids' privacy and safety because they're prominent people. And of course, that's a whole other thing. That's a whole other thing. You can have reasons that are big or little, clear or unclear, you know, go with your gut on this. And then sometimes you have to have, I had to stop a family member from posting something on social media. I wasn't even sure if they were taking a photo. And as soon as I saw it, I thought this photo can't go on Facebook for reasons I won't get into. And I had to say like, don't put that on social media. And they were like, oh, okay. I'm like, just that not on social media, please. For us, it's fine. No, no, no. Oh, okay. No, sure. And I could tell that they were taken aback, but I could also tell they probably were going to put it on social media. And I was glad I said something. Well, and I've had that with like a friend of mine took me to like a really special event that was, I won't even give the details, but was very, very special. And I took a picture of us at the event and I shared it. And she wrote to me right away and said, hey, could you take that picture down? Because it's something that a lot of people want us to do for them and we can't do it for everybody. Uh, So I don't want you to, I was like, oh, that makes so much sense. I took it right down. Like it's not personal and it's not crazy. Like if it's like, oh, so-and-so got me tickets for this thing. And if you put on social media, they now you know are going to get 9,000 requests for those tickets. It's very understandable. But even if you don't understand it, if someone asks you to take pictures down on social media, do it. Respect other people's rules. And I think as our kids get older, my friend Christina has a good rule around social media. Her kids are school-aged, like mine, and younger than mine, actually. But even so, she asks them if she wants to put something up on social media. She shows it to them and says, can I put this up? And they can say yes or no. And sometimes it's very disappointing when they're doing something adorable and they don't want it up. But she's giving them that autonomy at a young age. And I hadn't ever thought about doing that, but I'll probably start doing that too. Uh, 
it makes sense. It works. I mean, I think we solved this one. We got it. It's like we totally solved this, got, this complicated issue. You've got to use common sense. Don't be paranoid. There's a lot of paranoia around this issue that I would like to push back against as strongly as possible. But at the same time, know your boundaries, know other people's boundaries. And even if you don't understand other people's boundaries, you have to respect them. It is not your choice. Yeah. And we haven't even touched on rules for our kids using their social media. That's a whole separate issue. Whole separate episode. That's a whole separate episode. We're going to get to that. But we want to know. So come tell us what your rules are around social media, how you know when you're oversharing, how you guard against other people oversharing about your kids. There's a lot of places you can tell us. You can go to our Facebook page, which is facebook.com slash whatfreshhellcast. You can come to us on Instagram, which is also What Fresh Hellcast. And we have a Twitter feed, WFH Podcast. And I will put up the links to the studies we were discussing today up on our show page, which is whatfreshhellpodcast.com. Guys, please go to whatfreshhellpodcast.com and read Amy's studies. She works so hard on them. She loves them so. They're like her babies. This was more from the heart, but that study that I was talking about from the University of Michigan, it's actually, I'll put up a link to it. It's actually worth reading in its entirety. What was it, a privacy research? I mean, you've never even heard of that. Go do some deep dives into privacy research. Go become a privacy reacher. <laughs> You're very true. <laughs> and guys, we need to ask you one more favor before we go. We want you to subscribe to this podcast. When you are hanging out with your friends and telling them how great the What Fresh Hell podcast is, I want you to say, have you subscribed to it? Let me show you how. It's quite easy. Amy has put instructions on the website, but you could probably figure it out yourself. Help us spread the word and we need subscribers. So make sure to subscribe. Thanks, everybody. We'll talk to you next week. Talk to you next week, guys. Bye-bye. Oh, hey, everybody. It's us, Blair and Molly, your old pals from Toddler Purgatory. Two moms who are also actors, who are also creative beings, who sometimes feel stuck. And this is our new podcast, Unsticking It with Blair and Molly. What happens when your creative spark just seems to disappear? Gone. Poof. Bye. See ya. What happens when life gets in the way of your creativity instead of nourishing it? That's what happened to Molly and me. We felt like the thing that drove us creatively stopped working and impending doom had in fact impended. Totally. So we decided to do something about it. And that was steal ideas about getting unstuck from the most creative people we can find. We talk to guests about how to break through the mucky, gluey, sticky wall that can get between you and your creativity. We hear about their journeys, their successes, their challenges, and even their bougie coffee shop orders. And we're not just talking Bob Ross type paint on paper artists here, though we talk to them too. We're talking to actors, creative directors, dancers, and people who are working hard to be their best creative selves in a world that can sometimes feel real uncreative. We all have something to teach each other, so let's steal their ideas together. Join us, won't you, as we deep dive into how to unstick ourselves from the life gunk that can get in the way of our creative freedom. Pandemics, school calendars, world events, lack of sleep, oh, get out of their life gunk. And let's get back to your best creative self. Subscribe to Unsticking It with Blair and Molly. You're not going to want to miss an episode. Unsticking It with Blair and Molly, because sometimes life sucks. If you're a parent, I invite you to join us at the Mindful Mama podcast, where it's all about becoming a less irritable, more joyful parent. 
with sometimes hilarious and always thought-provoking experts and friends. At Mindful Mama, we know that you cannot give what you do not have. And when you have calm and peace within, then you can give it to your children. I'm Hunter Clark-Fields, and I can't wait to see you there. Listen in to the Mindful Mama podcast.